Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 10, Juanita Maldonado, running for Ward 5, Hamilton City Council. Juanita Maldonado, welcome to the Public Records 155 podcast. Thank you for having me here. It's my pleasure. Tell us, who are you? My name is Juanita Maldonado. I'm a resident of Ward 5, and this is the first time that I've put my name forward to run as a candidate for counselor here in the city of Hamilton. Why are you running? I've given a lot of thought. It's not my first rodeo, per se. I ran back in 2008 as a provincial candidate for the NDP in the riding of Ancaster, Dundas, Flamborough, Westdale. I ran against Ted McMeekin and Chris Corrigan and really enjoyed that experience at the time I was living in Westdale. And since then, I worked for the federal member of parliament, Wayne Marston. During my time with Wayne, I took on a role that was more supportive. I was his chief financial officer, as well as a leader on the district association. And now that I'm no longer there and I'm a small businesswoman in the city of Stony Creek, I'd like to use my skills to represent the people of Ward 5. How have you contributed to your community and our city? I really like this question because it gives me a chance to talk about my role as a union steward back, well, it must be almost 20 years ago now, I was asked to step forward and be a union steward for QB Local 4800, and I represented a team of clerks at St. Elizabeth Nurses, and that was the beginning of my role. I went on to become union president, went on to work for QP, and that led me to working for the MP. And I really had a collaborative experience and really had the opportunity to meet a lot of people and connect and network, and learn a lot about the way the jurisdictions interweave amongst one another, and also how they affect people, and how people can fall in the cracks of those processes. That's part of the reason why I'm a candidate today. What are your two priorities for Ward 5 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? I'm very interested in the fact that on October the 17th, we're going to be dealing with uh, the legalization of cannabis here in Canada, thanks to our Liberal government. I'm also interested in the fact that even though it's federal law and the provinces are doing a lot of discussions about the way it's rolling out, that really it's the municipalities that are going to have to be dealing with the fallout from that. And I don't know that the city of Hamilton is prepared for what's about to happen. I think that that's a priority for Hamilton, certainly. I believe this council could have been more proactive that way. But in terms of my two priorities for the ward, I am a huge advocate for cycling and pedestrian infrastructure. I'd like just to take a moment to talk about that, because I really believe that sometimes when citizens and residents of Hamilton start listening and talking about the LRT, that their eyes almost roll back in their heads sometimes because the BLAST network, of course, doesn't include Ward 5 initially or soon to come. We're looking at 2024, as far as 2041, in terms of completion at the earliest. I would like to think that we could start a discussion that involves Ward 5 and its economic development within itself. 
for example, a cycling and pedestrian corridor that is dedicated, that runs from Eastgate Square and is a tripod, runs into downtown Stony Creek, that runs from Eastgate Square down into the new building at the GO Station and Walmart. And the third leg of the tripod would run from Eastgate Square to Fiesta Mall. And I think that is probably one of the best long-term investments that we can make in Ward 5 because you are promoting an active lifestyle, you're encouraging families and community members to spend their money within the ward, supporting and encouraging small business. I think it's a win-win for everybody. That's probably the thing that excites me most about talking about Ward 5 and economic development. An area of concern for me is the fact that we have a booming population of seniors and the standard of living within the city housing sector and the greater community could be much better than the way it already is, especially in terms of security for seniors. I've been told stories of people falling asleep in their apartments and when they wake up, because they're seniors, they're forgetful, they've forgotten to lock their door, their alcohol is being consumed, their wallets are being removed from their apartments, jewelry has gone missing, and when seniors try to address these matters, they're not taken seriously. If they don't have an advocate who has the administrative or communication experience and skill to follow through with the multi-level of reporting that has to go on, in many cases, because of privacy, they're redirected to the actual contractor. It's just a maze and a web. It's extremely confusing. And really, I believe that what is necessary in our ward is an advocacy office for seniors, a place where seniors can approach someone who has the skills necessary to attempt them to gather the information, to collate all the information that's required to attend the police department, to perhaps contact city housing, a general place where seniors can make a phone call and say, I just got a phone call from CRA and they're telling me they're coming to my house to arrest me and that I'm, they're going to put me in jail if I don't send them a check for $2,000. Or they have a question about filling out their income tax, but a general place that advocates for seniors. I think a proactive approach and a support system would promote an age-friendly city. And supporting seniors would help with a healthy physical and social environment so that they can live safely and go on in their twilight years. I think they deserve that. What are three skills you will bring to elected office that make you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on city council? Over the course of the last five years, I've had the opportunity to become regulated as an immigration consultant. I opened my own business in downtown Stony Creek. And one of the things that came out of that was I became elected to the board of directors. So a national board, 14 directors, regulating consultants, 3,700 of us across the country. In that role, I had to mediate our uh, resolution with our CEO who had resigned, and I was the person that led the rest of the directors in resolving that problem. I gained really valuable experience during that time, and I really think that during this time when we are dealing with a transition in CEO at City Hall, at a time when we have an interim and perhaps really need to look at what skills are necessary... I believe that I would be valuable in that discussion. I'm a natural leader. I've always, in my experience, felt I really had a responsibility to step forward 
and to use my skills and also my commitment to people. I believe that uh, when people get together that they can move mountains. So certainly a natural leader. And thirdly, and I think this is the most important skill and trait that we really need on city council right now, and that's I'm an independent thinker. I have excellent critical thinking skills, good at solving problems. And I also think that I'm a visionary. I like to look into the future and see in 2041, when I'm probably not going to be here, what will our transit system look like? And I hope that if I get elected, that they can say that Juanita Maldonado did something about it. Now to one of my favorite questions. For the Ward 5 candidates, it's a little bit different because I know this ward. This is sort of my home territory, if you will. So I may judge a little bit here. Mm-hmm. What is something interesting or unique about Ward 5 that you believe the rest of Hamilton should know? I, I think I took a, a bit of a different perspective at this question because I thought it would be an opportunity to talk about something that perhaps municipally we don't talk about a lot. Ward 5 is the beach and Ward 5 is water. And I think at a time when some people may be aware that surface water is indeed the 88% of our water source and our drinking water, the fact that billions of people across the world do not have clean water to drink, that we really have to take a serious look at this natural resource of ours. Without question, the municipality should be making it a priority to take this, and as Ward 5, there's no other ward that has as much shoreline as we do. Our water is really important, but we need to make it a priority at City Council as well. Enough with the easy questions. Let's get to the tough one here. Hamilton's zoning regulations prevent the building of multi-unit clustered housing, which is in scale with existing single-family housing, commonly referred to as the missing middle. There are approximately 100,000 Hamiltonians in their 20s and approximately 140,000 Hamiltonians over the age of 65. The missing middle is medium-density, transit-connected housing in walkable communities and is important to young renters, first-time owners, and critical for seniors seeking to successfully age in place in the communities they've lived for decades. As a member of City Council, you will need to address housing challenges in Hamilton. You will face opposition to infill development and provincially mandated intensification. How will you respond to concerns about development, and where do you believe mid-density growth should occur in your ward? I don't think it's possible to address this issue without addressing the relationship between development and city council. I think that it's very important for city council to remember that they are representatives of the people, not of business or developers or any other body who might appear with $200,000 in their hand. I always like to refer to people have done a lot of research on this. Other municipalities have done their due diligence And that research has found that a lot of the scare tactics that are used, devaluation of property, how it's going to increase traffic, that really revitalization and redevelopment is essential in Ward 5 in places, given the fact that our Ward 5 profile says that we have 15% of vacant land. And also, generally speaking, in Hamilton, development of land that is vacant and can be invested in so that it provides both commercial and residential use, it's a very hot topic. And without question, there are a lot of tough decisions to be made. However, I believe that this is one of those places where civic engagement is essential, that 
when we start pushing people away from the community who have contributions to make about the way that this can work, I think that we're hurting ourselves. I think the new council needs to get partners on board and really strongly support and create a future for those young people. I've been doing some canvassing, and when you talk to people that are 25, 30 years old, making good money, making $50,000, $55,000 a year, and they say, but I can't afford to buy a house because I'm a single person, or a person who perhaps has been saving for a while and says, you know, I can't afford to buy a new $600,000 home. I think that that appropriately and adequately portrays our missing middle. I really am a strong supporter for redevelopment and revitalization. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? The very first one, and I think this comes out of my belief in people, it's just proven time and time again in my experience, is that I believe that we need to strongly support and invest in our staff members at the city level. I believe that investing and strengthening anti-harassment laws, investing in our transit system, which I believe is the jewel of our city. I have a brother-in-law who's an HSR driver, and we've had long conversations just about how important and essential that public service is, and really what more can we do to acknowledge and listen to our frontline people so that we can understand the challenges and also hear their ideas on ways to improve and to move forward. That would be my first suggestion. The second change that I would say is that I support a two-term limit for councils. I think it takes a long time to make change that different members who serve have very, very specific ideas on, you know, whatever their their true calling is as a public servant. But at the same time, I believe that it's very easy to slip into the fact that your main job once you get elected is to get reelected. And so having long-term counselors who stay more than two terms is not healthy for City Hall, and that would be my second change. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? I was grateful for this question because I think it allows me to talk about when I was trying to select what my priorities were as a candidate, that mental health was certainly in the top five. And as I started to whittle away and refine what I wanted to talk about, that unfortunately that one did come off my list, but it will resurface here. Because I think it's impossible to talk about public service at any level without talking about the fact that we are living in a time that's very chaotic and unsettling. And it has a lot to do with our, the way our communications happen, the speed with which they happen. I think it has a lot to do with the way we are bombarded with messaging. And also because technology allows us to receive changing information at, a, at an incredibly fast rate. As a result of that, we're living in an existence where fact one moment changes very, very quickly into fact in another moment. And it's almost, in most cases, negative, shocking, and sensational. Quality of life would be improved by electing a strong and cohesive and a collaborative council that works together. 
I think this is really important when you reflect on what our council has been like in the last year. It's unfortunate when you think about officials that are elected to represent people that you see behavior like councillors tattletailing on one another. Hours being spent at the council table where councillors allow their personal feelings and their personality conflicts to surface, a lack of professionalism. And I think just as serious is a councillor who doesn't say anything, a councillor who's not visible, a councillor who doesn't have is not recognizable. Councillors uh, who, ha- again, who have been in office for an extremely long time and have a bit of a Teflon Dawn effect around them. I think that that is very dangerous because with the size of council, everybody needs to be engaged in order to get something done. And right now, the lack of cohesion, I believe, is having a negative effect on the city of Hamilton. I think that's part of the reason why the LRT matter has taken so long. I find it offensive, actually, that councillors have not been honest with the residents of Hamilton on the matter. When you elect a city council that works together, and not just the councillors, but with city staff, I think that's a very, very vital thing to say, that city staff are the ones who actually do the job. They're the ones that have to be supported. It's embarrassing when city councillors come together and make a decision, put through a motion on something that city staff can't do. I'm not exactly sure why that happens. Those are questions that are going to have to be answered by the councillors themselves. I think that electing a progressive councillor like me, uh, you can trust that whatever comes, that will be well prepared and that you'll have confidence in your council. And when you have confidence in your council, no matter what's happening at the provincial level or at the federal level, at least that you have the confidence to know that your municipal representatives are well-prepared and informed and are not just there to warm a seat. I think that that would greatly improve the quality of life for people in Hamilton. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked ballots enable voters to prioritize candidates they feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? Ward 5 residents are going to have to check with Chad Collins as to why he voted against ranked balloting. I don't know why he did. Ranked balloting wouldn't favor many incumbents, so the failed motion shouldn't come as a complete surprise to people. I certainly support the effort to strengthen the democratic process. I also, however, in the same vein, want to implement a process that's successful. And I think that when city staff say... It's going to cost us $300,000 for us to do this today, if you want to change to rank balloting, that they're trying to say you didn't give us enough time. They need to be given the time and the commitment and the support in order to change a process. Given the fact that in Ward 5, we have a very strong Serbo-Croatian and Southeast Asian population, we have a population that's young and not so young. So educating and creating awareness about a ranked balloting process and change will take time, but it is indeed the road to mixed member proportional representation. Some people say we should just skip the ranked balloting and go right to MMP. I think that's too big of a change. I think the ranked balloting is a good way as a next step. But I still believe that city staff need to have the time and the commitment and the planning to be able to implement that. And that way, people can 
in greater numbers send the message as to who they think appropriately represents them. How will you improve civic governance and engagement in the next four years? As a city councillor, I think engagement starts with having a councillor that is visible and can be found in the community, can be found and is approachable. It, certainly if elected, that I would, I would certainly make sure that I was a visible face within my community. Uh, Ward 5 is made up of pockets of different people, which is really interesting in my work as an immigration consultant. I have the opportunity to really see a diverse spectrum of people. I think that's one of the wonderful gifts that we have in Ward 5. Civic governance, I think, is people getting engaged at City Hall would be successful when people think that they're being listened to. Today, our time is so valuable that when we ask people to step forward and we ask them to provide input and to give us their wisdom from their career, their wisdom from their life, that indeed that that follows through to the next step in the process. Unfortunately, what does happen sometime is that all of the information is collated, hours and hours are spent, and because the outcome from a committee or any process of civic engagement is not what city council wants to hear, that it is then stopped. And I think that that sends a negative message and doesn't really validate people's efforts. So I think it's important for city council to be open and to validate when people come forward with information and a final product, even though it might not be what they want to hear. How will the City of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? This question I was really excited about as well because I was a part of hiring our CEO with an executive search firm when I was a part of the board of directors for the ICCRC. We really looked hard at listing a skill set and putting together what we thought were the toughest challenges that our executive officer or operating officer would engage upon. That was kind of what we kept in front of us when we were looking for somebody to do the job. Now that Chris Murray's gone, Mike Zagark is the man at the helm, I think the work that's being done is really, I think we're on the right road. The role of city manager is part politician, part diplomat, and certainly part referee. Finding that combination is not easy, but at the same time, I just want to say, in my life, I say when I spend money, I spend it on two things. I spend it on a good bed, and I spend it on a good pair of shoes. On everything else, I don't spend so much money. I think this is one of those places that when you're looking for a city manager, that you want to spend money because you want to attract a candidate, and more importantly, you want to keep them. I think that would be my advice on seeking a new city manager and, as I said, more importantly, keeping him or her. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? One of the things that I am very much looking forward to is cutting spending, because I think that there's a lot of spending going on that is not productive or healthy. I think the area might, rating money, the $1.4 million, needs to go back into the general fund so that it becomes a part of what city staff can do with the money. I also believe that there's a culture that's been created where 
yeah, we can just spend $5 million on doing a report to find out whether LRT is a good idea. We can just spend another, you know, two or $3 million on, you know, money that's wasted, in my opinion. So I think it's, I think you need to get people on city council that are frugal and who would kind of curb, a curb a lot of the spending. And I think that is the political art that's required right now. If elected, that you'd certainly get that from me. So you've mentioned the LRT twice during the interview. You haven't shared your position on LRT. And listeners are probably wondering what it is. The Hamilton Spectator published an article. And when Matthew Van Dongen asked me about it, uh, certainly I support an improvement to our transit system, whether it be BRT, LRT. I've always been puzzled by the fact that our transit system has been used as a social service, as opposed to an investment in our city. I spent last weekend in the city of Ottawa, and I just shake my head because I'm like, why can't we do this? Why can't we get a pedestrian-friendly, dedicated road? um, So I'm going to close off the question. Are you in favor or not of the LRT as it stands? I'm not in favor of the way it came about. I'm certainly in favor of spending money in improving our transit system. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we would use to describe your term on council? And what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? I already know what the three words are because I've sat on boards before, I've had positions of leadership before, and I've, I've had situations where my role has been done and people always say the same thing to me. They say, well, it was very different and the system got shaken up. That's usually the second thing that they say. And the third thing is they always say things are better now. So I think those are the three, I think those are the three things, that uh, things were different Things were shaken up. I think that's the second thing. And then that things are better now. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks you wish to share? What I'd like to leave with people is that you elect a city councillor to make tough decisions. And though government doesn't have the answer to everything and cannot solve every problem, government is supposed to be put in place to make decisions and choose policies and processes that are best for the people that they govern, best for, in this case, the city. When you're thinking about electing somebody to do that, please consider three things. Consider the fact that that person needs to be engaged. Secondly, consider the fact that that person needs to be accountable and visible to you with tangible markers about the way they are doing that. They have to get back to you and tell you what they're doing. And thirdly, that they need to be totally immersed in the health and the well-being of the people that sit at the council table with them and what it is exactly that they are trying to accomplish. That vision needs to be clear because somebody who warms a seat, sitting around a table, not saying anything, and not appearing in public is not doing the job, and it's not what you deserve. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for joining uh, me today and for the interview, and thank you for some understanding on some technical issues I had throughout the recording.
I want to thank the Red Hill branch of the Hamilton Public Library for the use of their makerspace today. This has been episode 10 of the Public Records, the 155 podcast, our interviews with all candidates in the 2018 municipal election. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.